0: Support for Rule Breaker Investing comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Home plays a big role in your life, and that's why Quicken Loans created Rocket Mortgage. It lets you apply simply and understand the entire mortgage process fully, so you can be confident that you're getting the right mortgage for you. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com. It's the Rule Breaker Investing Podcast with Motley Fool co-founder David Gardner. Welcome back to Rule Breaker Investing. I hope you've noticed something is happening globally this month, June 2018. It happens for the men every four years, and for the women every four years, and it's the World Cup. And I don't think I'm surprising most of you with that knowledge. Now, a lot of my American listeners may or may not even be soccer fans. I can't really describe myself as a soccer fan. I am a World Cup fan. I enjoy these events for the men and the women every few years. And I think part of what makes them awesome is that they're only played like the Olympics every four years, so it makes them more special. And as you get to be, in my case, 52 years old, you can even start doing some math and say, how many more of these things am I going to be able to see? So, those those four-year increments make things weightier in lots of interesting ways. And I think it's a brilliant phenomenon, the World Cup. And in fact, that is our theme for this week and Rule Breaker Investing. In fact, I've brought together six, I'm going to call them observations initially, six observations. Having watched the first week or so of the World Cup, uh, and again, as not a traditional soccer fan, I don't have a lot of savvy that I can bring. I do have some questions about the sport of soccer. I still think the whole shootout thing is silly at the end. I don't like how in tie games, which is dramatic and fun, I don't like how at the very end, if we can't resolve it after a golden goal, an extra time, we just go to this artificial format where we just kick the ball at the goalie. That would be like for basketball, if you go through a few overtimes and it's not resolved, you just start shooting free throws, and whoever misses a few free throws, that team loses. As a sports fan, it just doesn't stick with the flow of the game. I also, and this is maybe more of an American viewpoint, I have some trouble watching players lie on the ground for prolonged periods of time, and in some cases, clearly faking injuries, acting as if they're hurt. That doesn't, for me, that doesn't conform to my full view of masculinity or or fair play or admirable behavior. I do think that's a, still a big part of the sport, but I'm also a fan of video replays and a lot more of the scrutiny that's on the sport these days to make sure it's fair and well rafted. And I think some of the video assistant referee calls here in the first week have been important and I like that. I like video replay in all sports. So if I have any sports savvy, it doesn't relate to soccer but just my love overall of sport. And what I wanted to do for this week is I just wanted to think through Again, six observations and relate these World Cup observations to what works in investing and or business. Maybe some lessons that we can extract from our experience of the World Cup. Maybe you're going to be watching it with your kids or your grandkids. Maybe these points will come back to you. That we've talked about this week, and you might have an opportunity for family conversation. Just kind of ladle one in, salt a point or two in there about investing or business with those that you're watching the World Cup with. And if that happens, then I've succeeded with this week's show. I also want to mention, toward the end of the show, I will be reviewing five stocks that I picked a year ago this week. Now I know my longtime listeners know we do this every ten shows or so. I will pick five stocks, and then every year or two or three after that, we'll go back and find out how those stocks did. I'll remind you of the theme of the stocks I picked a year ago. And again, if you're a very long-time listener, you know that I have an incredible streak going with these five-stock samplers. 14 consecutive reviews that we've done. The first 14 times we've looked at these five-stock samplers picked over the course of the last three years, in every case, I've been beating the market with those five stocks. Will that continue? Will the hashtag RBI streak continue. We'll find out near the end of this week's podcast. All right, so what I'll call observation number one. Or maybe, what do sports announcers do? They do things like keys to the game or takeaways. So, I'll let my producer Rick Engdahl figure out what these are. But this is observation, takeaway, key to the game number one about the World Cup. And it's just that it's a global phenomenon. And I think that, in many ways, is what's most important about the World Cup, especially in an increasingly globalizing world. And as this world does globalize, friction comes up. Because sometimes people don't want to work with other people, or don't want to trade with them, or don't want to act the same way, or refugees show up and all of a sudden it changes the nature of what your country was. It's just a much more modern-day phenomenon, globalizing. I think it is one of those, with Kevin Kelly here, one of those inevitable forces You may remember Kevin Kelly, his book, The Inevitable, which we've talked about on this podcast in months past. I don't think that Kevin Kelly made one of his 12 forces that will shape our technological future, the subtitle of his book, The Inevitable. I don't think that he made globalization one of them, but you can certainly read globalization into forces like, well, sharing is one example of one of his chapters, one of those 12 forces, our tendency to share. And thanks to the internet and global trade, and lower borders, all forces that clearly have been bringing this world closer and closer together in recent decades. I think it's inevitable that through sharing, we're going to end up being even more global going forward. I realize some would certainly disagree, and some aren't rooting for that. But I think that we do better as humans when we work together with each other. And don't you love that the World Cup brings together nations that are so different from each other? In fact, it's being hosted in a nation that isn't one of my favorite countries in the world. It might not be yours either. I'm sure, I know one thing, Russians love Russia, and the motherland and that, that feeling. And of course, everybody has some national pride, but I think especially Russians, going back to their great 19th century novelists, I've read a few of their books, I know that there is a deep love of the motherland. I think, based on some of the lawsuits that were launched at FIFA for choosing Russia as the site for 2018 that it maybe wasn't entirely above board how the World Cup did end up in Russia but I'm I'm actually a fan of having the World Cup sometimes in repressive countries I think it opens them up to the world and it makes all of us a little bit more aware and empathetic about that country and the people who live there so I think it's just tremendous What a great globalizing force the World Cup is. I say the same thing of the Olympics, but both the men's and the women's game of soccer. Soccer is the international sport. International football is what binds us together more than any other sport that I can think of. And I want to celebrate that as observation number one this week as we think about the World Cup. And so, what's the investing or business takeaway? Well, A reminder, if you're not a Rule Breakers member, our Motley Fool Rule Breakers service that I've overseen since launch in October of 2004 and picked with my team two stocks every month since October 2004, you might not know, if you're not yet, I hope you will be a Rule Breakers member, that three of the four best-performing stock recommendations in Rule Breakers history to date, companies that have gone up 20 or more times in value, three of the four Are international companies. If you're an American, they are not domestic players. They're global companies. And in fact, I'm not going to reveal their names because I sure do want you to come join our service and find out what those companies are. But I will name one company uh, a few spots down the list. The number seven performing company is IPG Photonics, which I first picked in March of 2008. Stock was at 14 back then. It's 238 today. And one thing I love about IPG Photonics is that its CEO is a Russian American. Valentin Kapansev emigrated to America a few decades ago, set up shop with his engineering understanding and his inventions, fiber lasers, set up a superior disruptive technology within the field of lasers, and IPG Photonics has been benefiting from that ever since. So yeah, the number 7 producer on our scorecard comes from, very specifically, a gentleman who came from Russia to America and started a great for-profit company. All right, I could certainly say a lot more about this, but we're going to keep moving through our points fairly quickly, because I want to get to my review this week. So, let's just double underline it, the power of globalization, and it's so well evident. And I hope, with good sportsmanship and the drama that will inevitably come through these games in the next few weeks, I hope that we'll all look back on the World Cup and say, wow, that was really great. That was great for the world, not just for Russia or for your country, if they did well in it, but it was great for all of us. All right. Well, observation number two, another key takeaway from this World Cup is, well, it's that it's scored. Don't you love that sports and other things I love, like games, these things have scores. The World Cup without a score would just be mostly pageantry. It would look like dance, which is a beautiful art form. But I think what adds additional zest for someone like me is that it's a competitive game. That's what's bringing the world together. It's things that have scores attached to them. And as I've often said on this podcast, and I'll probably say it till I'm blue going forward, we benefit so much by scoring things. You know this as an investor. I hope when you buy a stock, You type it into a spreadsheet, or you just use your brokerage website, or you can use a Motley Fool scorecard, and you should be noting, maybe on Motley Fool caps, you should be noting where you got that stock, at what price did you buy it, and then checking in on it maybe a month or a year later, you should be able to say, that stock is up X%, percent, just like that team is up three goals. Without scoring, we don't really learn, do we? I once wrote a series on fool.com. You can Google it. It's, I think, a three-part series about Moneyball, celebrating the work of Bill James, the great baseball thinker, and how his work, kind of as an academic observer, really, he was a journalist, how that work was taken and started to be used by the teams themselves to make better decisions out there on the field and to improve their scores. Moneyball the importance of counting, statistics, looking at the right statistics. These are all profound points for investors. Do the sources of advice that you seek when investing your money, do those sources score themselves? Can you transparently see how your broker is doing? Or how effective Barron's is with the performance of its cover stories? Or, That source you might be watching on television, does that person score him or herself in a way that you can see how they're actually doing? In my experience, it's so obvious in sports, so many things are scored, we take it for granted. And that's why the stark contrast of sport with finance and investing, where so few people, it seems to me, score themselves, it's such a stark contrast that I think, as investors, we should really insist as much as possible that our financial sources would have scores attached. Again, if you're not scoring the game, you don't know how you're doing. Or if you're not watching a game that's scored, you can't tell who's good. And that's especially important when we think about our money. So, I wish for you, observation number two, that you have scoring mechanisms in your life that help you make better decisions with your portfolio. And this is just as true of us as business people, isn't it? One of the old saws, you probably have heard this one, you might have even said it yourself, maybe you're an entrepreneur. The old line, if you can't measure it, you can't manage it. Now, I can easily argue either side in support of that line or take the con view and go against that line. But in this particular context, this podcast, this week, I'm going to say that's a good thing. So, In our businesses, you want to be measuring the things that matter. That way, once you know how the measures are coming out, you have the numbers, you can make better decisions as a manager about whether to add more to that, or subtract it, or maybe sell it off. We need to know how things that matter are performing for us to make good decisions in business and investing, and of course, in life as well. So, I celebrate that the World Cup is scored. I do have a gripe with zero-zero games. I personally don't think any game should ever end in zero-zero, but this is one of the longtime traditions of soccer and the World Cup. But if you can't measure it, you can't manage it. That's very evident in sport. It should be evident in investing, and I bet you know it if you're in business. Alright, observation number three, Another thing I love about the World Cup is, well, let's go with the capital E word, excellence. I love that excellence is rewarded. Most of the time, the team that plays better wins the game. And ask yourself, who's playing on those teams? Well, generally, the most excellent players that each country can muster. I like excellence in sportsmanship, outside of the actual scores of the game, and so often we see that. And I think this is just as instructive for us again in investing and in business. I've often said, in fact, maybe one of my legacy lines down the road is is this, quote, I try to find excellence, buy excellence, and add to excellence over time. I sell mediocrity. That's how I invest. And that's how I hope you invest. I think, Being in pursuit of excellence in all areas of your life should be a lifelong endeavor. And let me be very clear, in a world where many people think buy low, sell high is the proper way to invest, and I guess it has them looking for things that have been hit or near 52-week lows or things that don't seem to be going so well, we've done better by reversing that old axiom. And I I like to say, instead of buy low, sell high, how about this? Buy high and try high not to sell. You know, when you're buying high, what that means is, you're buying stocks that have already done really well. And guess what? They usually keep doing well if the factors in place that have led them to be excellent are real, if they're not flash-in-the-pan companies. So, being in constant pursuit of excellence, finding the best companies of our time, and you and I getting our money invested in them, we hope, earlier, ahead of the mainstream, and then especially This is a key to Rule Breaker Investing. We keep holding well past when the mainstream has typically, and Wall Street as well, have sold. So, we're trying to find excellence, buy excellence, and add to excellence over time. We're going to sell mediocrity. That's how we invest. And just to glide over briefly to the business realm, where I think about excellence, here's a thought for you. You may have heard, I guess I'm full of old saws this week, you may have heard this old saw. It's talking about hiring, hiring for companies. Here's the line, Maybe you've heard it. Maybe you've used it. A's hire A's, while B's hire C's, and C's hire D's. What that's conveying is, the A players at a company typically can be expected, when they're making hiring decisions, when they're in their job interviews with multiple candidates, the A's at your company are looking for other people who are awesome because they know how important that is. They're pretty awesome themselves in the first place, so they know what awesome looks like. And A's hire A's. Whereas B's, B players, these are still good employees at your company, presumably. I I sure hope they are. I I generally liked getting a B when I got one in college. I didn't take umbrage that I hadn't gotten an A. B's, though, because they're not A's, sometimes they may, may either lack a view into what is awesome or a slightly darker side of human nature. They want to hire people who won't look quite as good as they are or might be subservient to them in some way. So Bs hire Cs, and guess what? Cs hire Ds. So the focus, I think, and this is something we've done at The Motley Fool for years now, feel free to swipe a page from our playbook if you're not already doing this, I think you should have your A's doing your hiring. That even means if you're hiring a techie, maybe it's not just all techies interviewing that techie. Maybe there are people from other teams that are A players And you're making sure they're in there doing some of the hiring decisions even outside of their own team. A's hire A's. So, again, a focus on excellence. And I think that's something that is so on display when we watch the World Cup or the Olympics together. All right. well, before we go on to our second half of observations, let's take halftime, as we do in international football games, and say... Support for Rule Breaker Investing comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Chances are you're confident when it comes to your work, your hobbies, and your life. Rocket Mortgage gives you that same level of confidence when it comes to buying a home or refinancing your existing home loan. Rocket Mortgage is simple, allowing you to fully understand all the details and be confident you're getting the right mortgage for you. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com slash fool, equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, NMLS, consumeraccess.org, number 3030. Thank you, Rocket Mortgage. And speaking of excellence, I've mentioned this a few times, but you know, when you do, if you're a podcaster yourself and you do an ad read, often they ask, you know, add something of yourself into that ad read. And I haven't gotten a mortgage myself through Rocket Mortgage. I haven't had hands-on experience, but I've mentioned a few times, and I'll say it again, you think about excellence, the founder of Rocket Mortgage is somebody, a CEO I saw interviewed here in 2018. His name is Dan Gilbert. He also owns the Cleveland Cavaliers and writes checks to pay LeBron James, at least he has in the past. And Dan Gilbert is a pretty amazing guy. So, if you've never looked into his life or his story, his wife of many years, their five children, She serves on the Gilbert Family Neurofibromatosis Institute at Children's National Medical Center here in Washington, D.C. He serves on multiple boards. This is a really good person, and it lets me round out that last point about excellence. So often, I find in a world that seems to vilify people who've done really well. Sometimes we call them elites in a snarky, bad way, or people call them the 1%. It makes it sound bad. In my experience, you're actually seeing some of the most amazing people of our time that are starting companies like Rocket Mortgage. So, while I can't say I know Dan Gilbert personally, I think if you study some of the stories behind people like, well, Howard Schultz of Starbucks or Jeff Bezos of Amazon or Dan Gilbert of Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans, you're going to see people who are pretty amazing. And so, it's not surprising to me that they end up creating some of the best companies of our time, just like the best athletes put up the best statistics of our time. So, maybe there's a, a point to round out excellence. All right, so we've been through three observations. The World Cup is global. Your investing can be and should be Two, the World Cup is scored, and you should expect scoring going on wherever you want to manage things that matter. Number three, excellence is on display. And let's go to number four. How could I not mention the simple word? This is a big one around Full HQ. Three letters. Starts with F. It's fun. It's tremendous fun watching these games, even just by your lonesome. It's just fun to watch the pageantry, the colors, the jerseys, the different crazy haircuts and tattoos of the players, uh, the mix of different countries. Just watching a stadium full, maybe half, let's say, two-thirds Colombians, one-third Japanese, and good-naturedly sitting next to each other and having some fun with the rivalries of their teams. Of course, it's extra fun to watch the World Cup with other people, the social experience of of watching games together, explains a lot of things worldwide, like the success of bars, for example. And uh, other things also explain the success of bars. But the fun that the World Cup makes happen. Now, if it showed up every month, it wouldn't be that fun. Part of the fun is that we wait four years for the women's games and four years for the men's games, and we get to enjoy them in those limited time periods And so, it doesn't happen every month. That's part of the fun, the spectacle, the color. So, I think investing should be fun. You should be able to look up and down your portfolio and go, wow, those companies are really fun. They're awesome companies. They're innovative. In my case, I'm always looking for innovation. I suggest you should, too. They're excellent. And what they do is fun. The output of a company like Starbucks. I mentioned Howard Schultz just a little while ago. Howard Schultz, who I think is going to be running for president in 2020. We'll see. Um, I've been talking about this for a few years. But, you know, How much fun has Starbucks brought to how many lives just through making it possible to have that interaction in a third place that isn't, as has been said, your home? It isn't your work. It's that third place where you can meet up and chat and get to know somebody or have fun. Fun is such an important thing around The Motley Fool. I was meeting with some of our new employees earlier today. We had eight people in, a mix of Fools living here in Alexandria, Virginia with us, fools in Fulorado at our Fulorado offices in Colorado, and then fools from across the globe, like our new friend Hayes Chan from Fool Singapore or Leah Melton from Fool Japan. I had the pleasure in a World Cup like way of sitting with those eight people earlier today, and what was I there to do? To teach a game. I had been put on the spot by our People and culture team here at the Molly Fool, they're like, well let's have the co-founder rather than lecture them, let's have him teach him a game. And of course, Codenames, which is a game that I know some of you know. If you've been to Fool Fest, you might have played Codenames before. It's a very fine family game. I've mentioned it as one of my favorite games on this podcast and podcasts past, but that's what I was teaching our new employees, code names. And we all played that game together. So, if you call yourself The Motley Fool 25 years ago, it's our anniversary this year, presumably you better be having fun at that company or those offices. Otherwise, where does this wacky name come from? So, I think we kind of, my brother Tom and I, just sort of forced fun. We just channeled it from early on by calling our company The Motley Fool. But I certainly wouldn't want to go through investing, business, or life without having a lot of fun. And that's something that I know we all appreciate, those of us who watch and enjoy the World Cup observation number five. Now, there are surprises in the World Cup, and that's part of the reason a lot of sports fans enjoy sports. I don't think it's just an American phenomenon. I suspect it's a global phenomenon, but since I've spent most of my time in this country, I know that in America, we love to root for the underdog. Again, I bet we're not the only ones who are this way. It seems like when Iceland is going to be facing off against Argentina, as happened some days ago. And Iceland had literally never been in the World Cup before. And Argentina has won some of them and was in the finals of the last one in 2014. How much fun is it to think that a country, a nation of 300,000, which is the population of Iceland today, about two-thirds of them just living in the capital city, living in the greater Reykjavik area, 300,000 people and their soccer team in there for their first World Cup, and they tied. This is not a spoiler. This happened a few days ago, so you should already know this. They tied Argentina. That is a remarkable surprise. I'm not a sports betting man, particularly, and so I don't know what the odds of that were, but I suspect those were long odds and a big surprise. Now, how does that apply, especially to investing? Well, it can cut both ways. You can have good surprises and bad surprises. Briefly, let's start bad first. You should always be prepared to hear that something's gone wrong with one of your companies. We're all human. There are lots of errors. And sometimes it might be some bad thing that's happened out there in one of the company's stores and the CEO didn't even know about it. Or sometimes there's corruption in the office of the chief executive. All of these things have happened in business past to public companies. I've owned some of those stocks, too. I own some Enron in one of my kids' portfolios at the time. That investment didn't do very well. We should always be prepared to be surprised badly by something that might happen with one of our companies. So, of course, don't load up too much on any one thing. That's why we spread our bets. And you can certainly overweight yourself or allow great stocks like some of the ones we're talking about this week to become outsized portions of your portfolio. But just realize that there could be really bad news announced tomorrow. So, that's why we at The Motley Fool suggest you should not be on margin over borrowing and loading up more than you have into the stock market, and you shouldn't be loading too much on any one stock because bad surprises, Argentina, don't cry for me, Argentina, bad surprises, Leo Messi, can happen. They will and do. And the World Cup puts it on display for the whole world to see. And it's good for the world to be reminded that surprises happen. Surprises can be fun, too. Some of the best surprises I've ever gotten come from stocks that have way outperformed my expectations. When we initially purchased Amazon.com, when it was Earth's biggest bookseller, we certainly could not have foreseen all of the product categories Amazon would eventually enter. We didn't even know what a cloud was back then, Amazon Web Services. We couldn't have imagined that there would be something called Amazon Prime, or that it would give you access for free to lots of stuff like videos that Amazon is paying to make part of its service for Amazon Prime members, or maybe get discounts at Whole Foods I assure you in 1997 when we bought amazon.com at $3.21 we did not imagine any of that could happen and yet all of that has happened and more and the stock has so far exceeded any expectations any of us could have had that all I can say is no one was a genius to call it but you and I could be geniuses just to buy it and to add to it and to hold it and outhold Wall Street trading in and out of these kinds of companies you and I could hold them over the course of our lives and do wonderfully. So, yes, positive surprises, To Surprise! It's there in the World Cup. you got to love it. And that brings me to my final point before our short review, looking at stocks from one year ago. And the last and final point is, it's a point about winners and losers flip-flopping from one World Cup to the next. We don't know what's going to happen in the 2018 World Cup, but I predict some countries that have had poor pasts in the World Cup will surprise us. Other countries that were heavily favored will disappoint us. And our perception of who's a winner and who's a loser will shift. I was having this conversation earlier today with my good friend Chris Hill of Motley Fool Podcast fame. And Chris was saying, you know, think about Under Armour five or ten years ago. They were a dominant branded force. And they versus Adidas, Adidas if you like, five, ten years ago... Under Armour was the clear out-and-out winner. And look how things have changed here in 2018. If you've seen some of the Adidas ads and how expensive those must have been, you can see that Adidas can afford to pay for big-time ads with big-time personalities. And Under Armour, in the meantime, is a company down on its luck. The stock hasn't done very well. But, take heart, my friends, because just as things flipped one way, if you're an Under Armour shareholder, I still am, be patient because often they'll flip another way. And I've recently been thinking about Lululemon, which was down on its luck some years ago and is now at all-time highs. People don't talk about Lululemon as much today, maybe as they did as an emerging public company. And with the yoga pant craze and all the success Lululemon was having, but it hit a hard time, and now it's back on top of its world. So, the winners and losers keep shifting. You should definitely notice that in the World Cup and appreciate it, and just realize that if your team didn't win at all this year, or your stock didn't have a great year, maybe you should stick with it. If you still see elements of excellence in place, I bet the wind will will move behind you and get at your back at some point in the future. And that's a good way to transition into the end of this week's podcast, which is, as I review, Five Stocks Picked a Year Ago. Now, I already mentioned this, and if you're a regular listener, you know that there's an amazing Rule Breaker investing podcast streak, where I've picked five stocks for years now, and every single one of them, the 14 that we've done, fourteen we're all beating the market. And the question is, would the hashtag RBI streak stay alive? And I'm going to tell you right now, the streak is over. I'm not going to bury my lead. I'm going to go with the headline. This is a a podcast partly about winners and losers. and Sometimes we need to be ready to be surprised, even if we thought we'd found excellence, and we're having fun scoring the global challenge of the five-stock samplers. If you have all of the elements of this podcast in your head now, you can appreciate what I'm about to do here. I want to review. Let's check the score on five. Five stocks riding the bull market. These stocks were picked on June 21st of 2017. You can say, you can definitely accuse me, if you like, of hot-dogging it a little bit, because if you go back and listen to last year's podcast this week, you'll see that I was intentionally picking stocks that had already had monster runs. And because of my belief, which I've conveyed throughout this podcast and many others, that generally the winners keep on winning in life, and you want to add to your winners, I admittedly was maybe hot-dogging it a little bit, because I was saying a year ago, people think the bull market's over, Uh, people think that stocks that have already had a big run can't continue, so I was saying, watch me, let's pick five stocks that have already done great through this bull market, they're riding the bull market, and let's pick them to beat the market. For the few years ahead. So here we are, one year later. What were they? How are they doing? The first one up is iRobot. iRobot, I picked at 98 this week last year. Today, iRobot is at 78. It's down 20%. 98 down to 78, rounding. Now, the stock market for score comparison, the stock market over the last year is up 14%. So, it's been a wonderful last 12 months. The market's average gain, as I know you already know, is about 10% a year, here in the U.S. anyway. And so, 14%, that's a better than average 12 months. So, the good news is that the bull market has continued. The bad news is, my stocks that I had selecting to ride this bull market not enough of them have done that over the last 12 months, iRobot being one. So we start with iRobot down 20%, but since the market was up 14%, that's a minus 34 for stock number one. Stock number two, Pegasystems, ticker symbol P E G A. Pegasystems is a company that for a long time has been in the AI business. This is an important technology. This is a small cap company. It can't bring the kinds of Google like resources to AI. Google's the one that created AlphaGo, the amazing game-playing AI beating the world's Go champion. That's not going to come from Pega Systems, but it's been a wonderful company and an outperformer. Alan Treffler, the CEO, uh, a chess master himself. Pega Systems over the last year, from 59 a year ago to 60 today, it's up a buck. That equals about 2% rounded. The market, of course, up 14%, so that stock is 12 percentage points behind the market. So that's now a minus 46 for those scoring at home. Let's go to stock number three. This is when things go from bad to worse. The company is Impinge. Its ticker symbol is PI. This is a company that allows people to manage their RFID chips. You might have a little chip in all of your different products or all of your. Trucks, you're basically trying to keep count of stuff by adding RFID chips to them, and you can manage that whole infrastructure and system through Impinges platform. The company does it very well, but it was a stock riding high a year ago and things slowed down. Some of the business we were hoping to see didn't hasn't yet come through. Impinge has dropped from fifty-five one year ago. This is what happens, my friends, when you're negatively surprised to 22 today. Ouch. That is a 60% drop. Again, the market up 14. So, that's a minus 74. Added to our minus 46, we're now, after these first three stocks, down 120. It's about to get a little bit better, but not better enough. Stock number 4 is Wayfair. Ticker symbol is W. Yep, that's right. It's basically an internet play that somehow scored one of the Precious one letter ticker symbols that are available out there. Wayfair just W. So, Wayfair is a company that competes with Amazon, but not across all categories. Really, Wayfair is about furniture and furnishings. So, for example, maybe you have a child that's going to be moving into a dorm this coming fall. They might want a bed frame. You could order a bed from Wayfair for that child. Company does great e commerce, and it's hard to compete if you're Amazon with this company because these are bigger things to ship. And Wayfair really specializes in that. The stock a year ago, $75 a share. Today, $112. So that's a wonderful 49% gain for a stock that had already run up a lot and was riding the bull market and continues to do so very well. 49% ahead minus the market's 14 is a plus 35. That brings our minus 120 down to minus 85 and the final company one of my favorites a company I'll continue to favor for years going forward and that would be Zillow and Zillow a year ago was at 47 the ticker symbol is Z or ZG depending on which of the two flavors of shares we're talking about it's the same company though 47 and a half today 63 so Zillow up 33% Another great company riding the bull market. And if you deduct the market's 14 from that, you get a plus 19. And that brings us to the final total for these five stocks after their first year of minus 66. Now, if you divide that by five, what that's telling us is that the average company in this five stock sampler has underperformed the market by 13 percentage points. In other words, the market over the last year is up 14%, these companies' average being up 1%. Well, I have to say, I'm obviously disappointed couple of real clunkers there. I will say, going forward, I continue to be confident. I like all five of these companies. I certainly haven't soured on any of them. Impinge might be the one, both the poorest performer and the one I have least confidence in. But going forward, I'm going to continue to favor this approach of finding the winners, though the RBI streak has now ended, sadly. And so, we're 14 for 15, I'm not going to learn too well any lessons from this one, because my belief that we should find excellence, buy excellence, add to excellence over time, sell mediocrity, that's how we're going to invest, is is not shaken at all by this one-year underperformance for these companies. So, best of wishes in the year ahead to iRobot, Pegasystems, Impinge, Wayfair, Zillow, and all the many other companies that you and I are invested in, many of which I've mentioned during this podcast. Thank you for sharing this World Cup moment with me. We've had some winning, and indeed, this podcast, we've had some losing. That feels very apropos of the World Cup. Let me mention, in closing, a few housekeeping notes. Next week is our RBI mailbag. So, yep, it's that podcast each month where you email us ahead of time. RBI at rbi.fool.com is our email address. Any questions or thoughts or suggestions, if you have an inspirational story you'd like to tell about how investing has helped you in your life I share all of those things each month, every month, for years now on our Rule Breaker Investing podcast. So, I'm excited, as always, for that one. Next month, you can also tweet us out at @RBI_Podcast. Then I want to mention, the week after, two weeks from now, I will be picking my next five-stock sampler. So, I'll be a little bit wounded, based on the performance of this one. So, my tail between my legs a little bit, but I'm still going to bring you out, I hope, five winners. And, why not, let's World Cup theme that five stock sampler. So, it'll be five stocks for of course the next 4 years, companies that in some way connect in or inspire me from the World Cup of 2018. So, we have that to look forward to. Final housekeeping note. We've got an extra for you. I'm really happy to let you know. I shared a little of Dan Pink with you a couple of weeks ago on this podcast when he told his stock story. If you didn't hear that, you should definitely at least zoom to the end of that podcast and listen to the last 5 minutes as Dan Pink tells one of my favorite stock stories. Tremendous. Well, that was an excerpt from a full-form interview I did with him at Fool Fest. And if you're a Dan Pink fan, I know you're going to enjoy this weekend, because you're going to have the unedited full interview with Dan. And in particular, how he ends that interview is pretty hilarious. I'll tell you, ahead of time, we surprised him by asking him, since it was the graduation time of year, June, we asked him with music starting to play, and he was completely ad-libbing and unprompted to give a 45-second commencement address to Fool University, uh, a made-up school, of course. And so, Dan Pink does a tremendous job, at the end of that interview, ad-libbing an inspirational commencement talk. So, that is a little bit of amusement for your weekend. In the meantime, thanks for allowing us to try to educate, to amuse, and to enrich you every week. I'm David Gardner. This has been the Rule Breaker Investing Podcast.